to the pilot episode of POC, People of Cinema. I'm Carrie Kears. And I'm Winton Wong, and we are here to talk about media from the perspective of women of color. Yes, we are. So, quick introductions. I'm Winton Wong. I am Chinese-American. I'm originally from Hong Kong. Moved to the U.S. at a young age. Have lived in the North Carolinian South for much of my life, have recently moved out to LA to pursue my dreams of directing uh, films and TV, and I don't like what I see. (laughs) Carrie? (laughs) That's a beautiful intro, Winton. Uh, As I mentioned before, I'm Carrie Kears. I am of African-American, American Indian, and many flavors of European descent. Um, I am from Virginia, uh, born and raised American from Virginia, went to school in North Carolina, and now currently living and working in New York City. Um, I as well would like to pursue a career in writing and directing, um, film primarily, but I am a big fan of TV. Um, and I too am doing this podcast because I am not terribly thrilled with what I'm seeing, or rather... What I'm not seeing, and that is women and people of color in places that they should be. (laughs) Right, and I think we should probably start with just background about why we're doing this. So I, I talked to Carrie about this podcast because I don't get to see or hear a lot about diversity, um, in the media from any other sources but white men. Um, which is interesting because I am not white nor male. So I don't quite believe them sometimes. And there are some facts to kind of refute some things that I often hear about how, oh yeah, there's plenty of girls and there's plenty of XYZ or they just don't, people. Black people don't like fantasy. As a black nerd, I would like to yeah. refute that now on the public record. We exist. <laughs> And also nerds of every race, color, creed, orientation, religion, whatever. You know, we want to see ourselves in artistic spaces and in fictional spaces. Right. And and that's all we want. And it shouldn't be that difficult seeing as 40% of the U.S. population are not white and 51% are not male, nor identify as male. So... All we want to talk about and bring awareness to and bring perspective um, to is diversity in media from the perspective of the diverse people. Hey! (laughs) Which I guess is shocking to some people. Um, Not shocking to these foundations and centers that have done research, uh, like the Ralph J. Bunch Center for African American Studies at UCLA and the Women's Media Center, um, who does research and nonprofit work uh, to kind of bring awareness to women and the lack of women in media. For example, white film directors outnumber those of color by two to one. Mm. White people play the lead roles in more films uh, at twice the rate at people of color. Uh, Latino representation has dropped from 3.9% to 0% on television, even though the Latino population has grown. 17% 17% in the US. Uh, and that's the same thing for movies. From the paltry 1.7% to 
to zero percent, uh, which is ridiculous and upsetting, and upsetting, absolutely upsetting. Um, and on the women's side of things, and we're not even combining and properly having some intersectional discussion about this yet, but men account for eighty-three percent of pretty much every above the line. So directors, executive producers, producers, writers, cinematographers, mm-hmm. editors, all that kind of stuff, which includes some below the line people. Um, of the 250 most profitable films in the U.S., which that doesn't make sense because films with diverse casts and diverse staffs make more money abroad and have better ratings on TV. So, Carrie, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think people like looking at people that look like them, <laughs> you know, and seeing themselves, you know, in you know, being the heroes, you know, being the heroes and having stories told about them and, you know, watch, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like, I honestly don't understand why Hollywood and, and, you know, New York as well, you know, we, we produce films and TV and stuff too, um, just don't seem to understand that, you know, diversity is incredibly important, you know, and you look at the films that won big at the Golden Globes and you look at like you know how well Tyler Perry movies do or even just generally opening weekend you know black and Latino people tend to be statistically the ones who will go see a movie on opening week so like all those opening weekend box office numbers that's people of color that's people of color turning out to see you know Hollywood so it's not like a lack of interest in you know, on, you know, the end of the audience. It's purely a top-down decision on excluding people of color um, from media. Yeah, and and I'll have the two reports that I'm citing from in the show notes. We are slowly seeing some of this happen, right? Where Universal Pictures, for example, made uh, over a billion dollars on Fast and Furious 7, mm-hmm. uh, which has one of the most diverse casts um, in movie history. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and ABC and Disney are also reaping the benefits on television with shows like Fresh Off the Boat, mm-hmm. Blackish, Scandal, uh, Scandal, How to Get Away with, with Murder, mm-hmm. um, all those Shonda Rhimes shows. I mean, mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy was for a while the pinnacle of diversity mm-hmm. on television, especially being the only kind of late night drama mm-hmm. um, that had, for example, uh, an Asian American yep. doctor. Uh, an African-American doctor. Uh, they had their blonde people, of course, but like... <laughs> a number of them. <laughs> a it wasn't just one. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, that's shocking to see, especially like when people make the weird stereotypical jokes about Asian people being doctors. Like that doesn't make any sense that if we're going to make jokes about Asian people being doctors, we don't see them on TV being doctors. Yep. <laughs> Which is like ridiculous. Yeah. And, and that's why we want to kind of talk about this. So people of cinema this podcast poc podcast we just want to bring a perspective that we don't get to hear very often we don't get to see very often Mm. um and And to kind of highlight shows that have done really well with that for example jane the virgin which carrie just started today (laughs) i started watching this Um, today i've been an avid fan since the beginning okay hipster went in (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna talk about it because 
Uh, Jane the Virgin may be the only major network television show that focuses on le- Latino families, especially Latino so, culture. Yeah, Cristela was canceled last season, so right. this is really the Cristela only one. Was canceled, didn't get picked up at the back end. I don't no, believe. it didn't. Um, the, perhaps the first Latino show in a while since uh, George, George Lopez. Yeah. Um, and it's a good show. It's amazing. It, you know, it, it has, it's very true to his roots as a Venezuelan telenovela. It's very, uh, fought, you know, it does straddle the line between a drama, you know, it has these wonderful, you know, comedic moments, this fantastic voiceover, uh, who's almost like an additional, you know, more meta character on the show. But then, you know, you have the really dramatic moments of this you know, woman who is, if you are unfamiliar with the premise of the show, she is a 23-year-old woman who her very, very Catholic grandmother instilled in her at an early age, you know, once your virginity is gone, it is gone forever, you know, to, you know, keep yourself pure until marriage, you know, and she herself, uh, her mother was, you know, 16 when she gave birth to her, and so she's very much, you know, career-driven and had a very strict plan for the way she wanted to live her life and when she would get engaged to her boyfriend and all these things that are upended when um, a... I don't know how much I should go into this twisting blot, but when uh, a doctor accidentally artificially inseminates her with the... She refers to it as sample in the show. I think that's what I'm going to go with here. The sample of her boss at the hotel that she works at, but that she secretly had a crush on for years. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's a crazy plot. It's definitely it leans into its tele- telenovela background. But I want I want to make sure that people know and that everybody should be watching the show that it, it is really just quality writing and, and it's acting. quality acting. Beautiful acting. Um, oh, and, wow. and Gina Rodriguez, who plays Jane, uh, recently won a Golden Globe for the performance and and absolutely deserves it. Absolutely. One of the first Latina women to win I think the a Golden Globe. Second, I believe. Yeah. yeah, ever. Yeah, in a leading category, which is ridiculous, but could also be said about a lot of different minorities. Um and the reason why I really really love Jane the Virgin is that they are, it's set in Miami, which is appropriate mm-hmm. for the kind of mixture of people that they have. Mm-hmm. But it's very realistic. Um, <laughs> well, the, in, in some of, respects, <laughs> real, realistic in the sense of, of representation in Miami. Oh, okay. Um, for example, <laughs> the family, the Rodriguez, or not the Rodriguez, the <laughs> Vill- Villanueva, Villanueva family. The Villanueva family is Latino. Um, they are Catholic, which is common down in Miami, mm-hmm. the Latino community. The grandmother doesn't really know English. It is a bilingual show, so there are subtitles sometimes. Um, and the relationships that, that Jane has are with people that are not of Latino descent. Mm-hmm. We are not like forced into this box of like only Latino people are allowed to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, her boyfriend, is white um and uh the her his police partner is african-american um Mm -hmm. the hotel managers or yeah the hotel owner's wife is of eastern european descent um and it's a great show that just shows off how important culture is and the mixture of culture is to being american Mm -hmm. because the most important part for all of these characters is that they are American and they are living in Miami and they're trying to live their lives. It is not some weird pocket universe (laughs) 
where it's not a niche. We're not a niche market. Yes. <laughs> People of color are not a niche. <laughs> exactly. And we're yeah. not segregated, which no, is not at the all. most important part. And that's one of my kind of pet peeves when when certain com- shows or or kind of companies Absolutely. try to diversify and they'll have token people or they'll only have people of 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 minority descent and they're in this weird pocket universe and that's not representative mm. and that's not what people who want to see more diversity want to see they want exactly. to see the mixture of people which is what makes America and the notion of America kind of the best that's kind of the point <laughs> of her country theoretically um even you know and the thing which i would under i think i would give more slack to if i wasn't you know someone who made films and who wrote myself um made films but you know what i mean um you know the idea of like oh i don't because i'm not a you know i'm of race x i can't write about race y realistically or inoffensively you know, I, I, I cannot deal when people say, you know, uh, that's a thing I think, I believe Lena Dunham has said on one occasion when someone has called her out about, you know, why are there not people of color in your New York City, Lena Dunham? And they're like, well, I don't know how to write that. And it's like, well, you write a good character, or at least, a very least a compelling one, um, and you cast an actor, and, you know, that's, and you cast a good actor. That's, that's, for the most part, what it is, like, in Jane the Virgin, there are a lot of culturally specific things to that character, um, but for the most part, like, there, you know, it's not, you know, like, had, you know, that context been sort of taken out, it would still be a functional show, if it were, you know, it could, like, this show conceivably could exist, you know, with, you know, a right. Japanese and that's, lead. And that's the strength, you know. yeah, that's the strength of the storytelling, that's the strength of the writing, and that's the strength of the performing, and that's that's kind of what I hope everybody ends up seeing. I yeah. think that's, uh, Sleepy Hollow is another example, at least in their exactly. first season, where it didn't matter it didn't color. there was one line in the pilot where he's like oh you're emancipated and she's like i'm about to tase you <laughs> right and, and i'm sure they just wrote that in i honestly well, don't think that it would was, be like, unusual that a man from the you know 17th or 18th century would not comment but you clearly he's someone who does not care and is like oh this is cool you're my partner and we are going to fight the apocalypse for this now right. does it become and an issue in later seasons i haven't been as observant I mean, I stopped watching Sleepy Hollow midway through season two because it just got really bad. Oh, um, I was going to get back perhaps, into that. Perhaps I will go back into that, but the, my network TV list is uh, stupid long. <laughs> I believe it. And uh, eventually the culling will happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, Jane the Virgin, really, really great. Watch um, it if you haven't been. Everybody should watch it. People have told and me to watch this for like a, the last year now, and I was like, yeah, 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 you know, whatever. And now it's on Netflix, so I had no excuse. And exactly. I started watching season one, and I think I'm like five or six episodes in, and I started at like 1 p.m. today. <laughs> um, yeah, so the question that always must be asked about uh, Jane the Virgin is, which team are you on? Are you on Team Michael? Or are you on uh, team? What's his face? Raphael. I don't know. Well, Raphael. Well, you're clearly That's not on team Raphael. <laughs> the fact you had. I 
Sometimes just sometimes I just don't remember things. Oh, and it's really great. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Um, well, Team Raphael for sure, because mostly because. Spo- potential spoiler alert. I'm not sure how long Michael's going to be sticking around. I'm only six episodes into the season one, so this is really not much of a spoiler, but I don't know how much longer he's going to be sticking around. So he's having a lot of difficulty uh, with with this, yeah. with things, with many things in his life right now. Um, I've always flipped back and forth between Team Raphael and Team Michael. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of the storytelling, is that they kind of, they want to like, have you flip-flop back and forth. I've never flip flopped. Um, I've just been like, I mean, always solidly team. Raphael. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, granted, he's like a little terrible, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I I feel like he he's more honest with himself than Michael. Like he Michael just can't seem to get it together. I'm like, stop hanging out with Petra. This will not end well for you. I don't know how it ends, but this will not end well for you. Yeah. I mean, season two is starting off pretty well. Uh, hopefully, Carrie will catch up and we'll maybe do like a follow up. Recap oh, I would love to. A follow up of Jane the Virgin, like maybe at the mid season break, because uh, it's, it's just a really good show. Um, Infinite any twists. Any closing thoughts about Jane the Virgin and why people should watch it? I think the voice of the narrator alone. And like the, I'm, I'm hashtag team narrator. Oh yeah, right. oh yeah. I changed my vote. Can she end up with the narrator? Because he is perfect. He's this wonderful. And I read an article with him where he talks about um, pitching himself for this project. Because like, you know, they were looking for a narrator, but he's like, he wrote, I think, to the director, somebody, and he was like, please consider. You know, I have an accent, but like, it can really add an element of you know, sort of specificity to the show, and you know a. I guess a truth, a trueness, you know, to the roots of it as a Venezuelan, you know, telenovela soap opera. And I think it really, it really does. Cause you know, you feel more immersed, you know, in the world of the show. Um, and it, he's just a very fun, very breezy, very meta commentator. Um, and it's really great. Cause you, you sort of get to see into the, the minds and the hearts of the characters in a way that you normally can't with, you know, a TV, unless you have, like, really crappy, like, character internal voiceover. You know what I'm talking about? Ah, yeah, <laughs> the worst. But, yeah, so this, it, you know, the narrator kind of, like, skirts around that. But um, also, oh, the grandmother. The grandmother's a national treasure. I Absolutely. She is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, my closing thoughts on Jane mm. the Virgin is, one, you should be watching it. Mm. Two, it's a great kind of representation of of what media could look like for everybody. What it should look like. Um, <laughs> and what it should look like. And three, that this is the era of the CW. Weirdly, yes. As someone who watches Rain, <laughs> and I guess just admitted to it publicly, <laughs> um, yeah, which is, you know, very interesting to go from a show that's very, you know omissive of you know as most period dramas are omissive is that a word we're very lacking in the way of people of color as we should say rain and gossip girl were um the cw is really stepping its game up with things like jane the virgin and also like people are super into the flash and the other one what is the other one arrow Arrow. yeah i don't watch either of those although i heard amazing things so maybe i will eventually we'll we'll talk about it okay i'll i'll talk about it oh yeah just winton (laughs) it'll be a winton monologue (laughs) 
it for this pre-episode episode of the People of Cinema podcast. My name is Winton Wong. You can find me on Twitter at wwingwong. You can find everything else that I do at wintonwong.com. That's w-y-n-t-o-n-w-o-n-g.com. And I'm Carrie Kears. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at sassy stereotype, spelled the usual way, um, or on Instagram at I am Living Color. The music throughout this episode is from Sam Brown. The track is called Love Part One. Links to him and his amazing work will be in the show notes. Our first full episode with our complete crew will be out soon. Thanks for listening. Oh, greatest thing that you'll ever know. You may ever know. You may ever, ever know